From beautiful Cape Cod, Massachusetts, this is Returns on Well-Being, the podcast that brings you the latest and best thinking from today's business and healthcare leaders. We share strategies, tactics, and information to help employers boost their bottom lines and address two of their biggest concerns, the cost of healthcare coverage and the engagement of their workforce. To guide us on this quest, here's our host, Jim Purcell. High levels of financial stress cause both physical and mental illness for employees, and the evidence shows that employees with low financial well-being are distracted at work, and their engagement and their performance suffers. Neighborhood Trust Financial Partners is one of the nation's leading nonprofit providers of financial empowerment services for employers, helping employees address low financial well-being and its challenges. With us today is Justine Zinken, the CEO of Neighborhood Trust. Justine has received a number of awards and fellowships in recognition of her leadership and her commitment to improving the quality of jobs for the underserved workers, and we will discuss strategies employers can take to improve the financial well-being of their workforce. Justine, thank you for joining us today on Returns on Well-Being podcast. Thank you for having me. How extensive is low employee financial well-being today? What have you seen? So we at Neighborhood Trust are working with employers around the country, uh, small businesses, medium-sized, and even some large corporations, and we see that uh, employee financial distress is prevalent. Uh, as you highlighted in your opening remarks, the statistics bear that out. Uh, most families are living paycheck to paycheck. 42% of workers today earn less than $15 per hour. And along, alongside wage stagnation, uh, the level of volatility in families' incomes and in their cash flows, the level of unpredictability, uh, because not only are they experiencing variable work schedules, but oftentimes most families are uh, working multiple jobs, seasonal jobs. Um, so they're not only struggling with low wages, they're struggling with a level of complexity and insecurity that uh, was definitely not set a generation ago. And low f- employee financial well-being, how does that impact employers? So there is growing evidence from uh, organizations like PricewaterhouseCoopers and MetLife that employees bring their stress to work, and as a result, it impacts both productivity and retention. Uh, an example is from a MetLife report, one in three employees admit to being less productive at work because of financial stress. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, Mer- a Mercer report says that employees spend approximately 150 hours per year thinking about their finances while at work, which mm-hmm. translates into roughly three weeks of distracted work time annually. So mm-hmm. there is real bottom line impact to workers' financial stress. Tell us about the types of employees and companies that you work with. Yes, Neighborhood Trust uh, has a financial wellness benefit called Trusted Advisor. Trusted Mm -hmm. Advisors now benefit in 60 different companies around the country. We work with a range of industries. Uh, Most of them have a prevalence of relatively low-wage jobs. work with home health aides, cleaners, uh, manufacturing workers, um, retailers, and there is a definite theme that these are uh, 
jobs that are generating the, the growth in our economy. They're, they're some of the most in-demand jobs today, and yet most of them are paying close to minimum wage. Now, there's a distinction between minimum wage and living wage. Uh, could you explain what that might be? At the federal level, there's a minimum wage, and then state by state, there are different minimum wages. The many states have uh, recently raised their minimum wage, including in New York, at $15 an hour. Uh, but the minimum wage is a, a, a law that says an employer can't pay below that. A mm-hmm. living wage is the wage that is determined to actually cover the basic cost of your household, your housing, your food, your health care, child care, transportation. Uh, there are two excellent models out there. Uh, one is the MIT Living Wage Calculator. Mm-hmm. One is put out by United Way. It's called the Asset Limited Income Constrained Employed or ALIS data. Uh, they're, they're similar, and as an example, they show that in New York, the household survival budget, a, a living wage for a family of four, is close to $70,000 a year. Uh, that's more than double what a family would earn if they were earning the minimum wage of $15. Right. And in, in other words, yep. the, minimum wage, the minimum wage is not a living wage. And mm. anybody earning minimum wage is really having to be extremely creative uh, and, and probably go into significant debt in order to cover the, their basic needs. Both of these data sets are uh, context-specific. They're uh, at the zip code and or at the state level uh, to make sure they're capturing the cost of living in that area. Mm -hmm. And how does a living wage, how do you think that factors into a comprehensive financial well-being program that employers should consider? This is a tricky piece. For for many employers who are starting to realize the cost of the financial distress of their workers, uh, there is there is a definite realization that increasing their wages uh, to a- approach or surpass a living wage uh, is not only the right thing to do, but is likely smart business. Uh, there are obviously financial pressures on, especially on small businesses or in certain industries with thin margins, so that it, it may be difficult uh, to figure out how to achieve that living wage goal. And yet, you know, we do see evidence that the more that an employer recognizes those workers as assets and uh, increases their wages and other aspects of their compensation, uh, there is a real return on that investment. Yep. Um, I, I, would, I would also add that when we think about financial health and job quality, it definitely goes beyond what that hourly wage is. There are many other factors at play in terms of someone's financial health. Uh, what that wage is, but also the predictability of that wage, the ability for that wage to be complemented with certain types of financial benefits, um, especially health benefits, but also um, the ability to take paid sick leave, um, paid family leave. These all contribute to financial well-being. And to be very specific, the ability for a family to convert those wages into savings which then enables a family to begin to plan for the long run and save for, uh, you know, real financial mobility goals, such as, you know, ownership or entrepreneurship or higher education as well as retirement. Uh, The ability for that wage to translate into savings and a strong foundation from which to build a healthy financial future. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Have have you seen any programs that 
well-being programs or financial wellness programs that, that, that focus on putting more money in employees' pockets by reducing their expenses? I will start with our, our own service, Trusted Advisor, which mm-hmm. aims to be a trusted resource to any worker struggling with the building blocks of their financial health, how to uh, pay their bills, how to reduce their expenses, how to create a financial plan and and, uh, make sure that they are not only getting the next paycheck, but starting to set aside savings, even with low wages. Uh, You know, we really see that today's worker is not only struggling with low wages, but their finances are quite complex. And everybody needs that trusted human in their corner who has the expertise to help them build a financial plan and then motivate and coach them to stick to that plan. You know, Mm -hmm. a big piece of that is reduced spending uh, as much as possible. Uh, But we always want to be careful to um, acknowledge that most workers are actually quite astute about how to, um, you know, economize. Uh, They are very expensive to be poor, and most of them are doing the best they can. Uh, but we are able to show them what their financial uh, model is, what their budget should look like, and then provide helpful sort of behavioral nudges, uh, text message reminders, and uh, prompts throughout their day to make sure that they are sticking to the plan and, and avoiding some of the um, extra expenses that can get them into trouble. Uh, why don't you take us through the process that Neighborhood Trust uses in order to help me out with my financial issues? Sure. For the past 20 years, we've built a financial counseling service uh, that enables our uh, expert financial counselors to help someone uh, access the financial information to understand their situation and then to build a plan and stick to it. When an employer purchases our benefit, it is uh, a very easy service to turn on and make available to their entire workforce. An employee will receive a a link or a text message. They click on that link on their mobile device, and they will see a profile of our financial counselors. They're all bilingual. They're expert. They're available uh, across the country. And that employee can pick the financial counselor who will be their trusted advisor and stick with them for the duration. Uh, And then they will schedule an appointment and have a counseling session via phone or Skype with that counselor. Mm -hmm. That counseling session is uh, just the beginning of a robust relationship that is guided by a uh, technology platform that enables that client to continue to uh, see their financial profile, set and track uh, financial goals and continue to avail themselves of our counselor as oftentimes as they want. What we always say is an employer turns on our service, and then our counselors become that client's counselor for life. The service uh, continues for the duration of their employment with that employer, and they can take us with them to their next employer. Do you charge a, 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 a dollar amount per employee per year? Is that right? We charge a uh, annual fixed price to the employer based on the size of their workforce, mm-hmm. and then uh, that service is available to everybody, and the employer has, has no variable pricing um, linked to the number of people who use the service or the frequency of use. They pay one fixed fee based on the size of their workforce, and then we will serve as many employees as frequently as they would like. So I'm, I'm an employee, and I'm, um, I'm enrolled in uh, Neighborhood Trust's uh, process. If I come up with a financial issue, 
can I call my advisor and ask him or her about what I should do and, and talk about alternatives? Yes. The beauty of our service is that we understand workers today and their busy lives and very uh, varied schedules. So any client can call their counselor. They can also text their counselor. They can also uh, chat with their counselor on our uh, digital financial action plan uh, platform. So we're available via different modalities at any time of day. And we also are very clear that most people really value that trusted relationship. Mm -hmm. So they are not picking up the phone and talking to the next counselor in the queue. They're talking to their counselor. Have you seen any employers come up with innovative programs? I, you, you said to your people, the people that uh, you've been counseling, they're pretty good at managing their expenses and economizing, but sometimes perhaps they could use the employer's additional buying power or size uh, to get them reduced expenses where they couldn't buy themselves. I'm thinking of things like child care, emergency loan, debt consolidation, joint purchasing. Have you seen any of these programs and employers that you've been working with? Uh, yes, I would say that many employers are eager to help their employees and recognize that the counseling we provide uh, is one essential component and then different types of financial tools that help them either get out of debt or save or establish or repair their credit are, are really essential. So mm -hmm. we have worked with a variety of employers uh, who have tapped into the growing uh, fintech uh, uh, activity. So, you know, financial services uh, being delivered via new technologies that look at how to uh, sort of use big data sets or automate uh, people's uh, spending and savings behavior and coming up with ways to default them into sort of better uh, financial opportunities. So to be concrete, we are... Um, we are very supportive of products like uh, FlexWage or Even or PayActive that enable individuals with cash flow issues to access their own funds in advance of payday. So it enables them to sort of smooth their cash flow or uh, develop a sort of customized pay schedule that relies on their own money without having to borrow. Now, if, Justine, if you were advising employers today about taking the first steps in addressing employee financial well-being, uh, what would you suggest they do? The very first thing an employer can do is to talk to their employees to set a goal of understanding the financial profiles and the financial needs and concerns of their workforce. When we go into an employer, the first thing we do is help that employer understand what is going on with their workers and what types of financial support and tools they need. Because oftentimes, employers are very well-intentioned, but they don't understand the depth of the challenges that their workers face. Mm -hmm. so the, best example, the best example are the employers we work with who offer a 401k and wonder why there is <laughs> such low enrollment. And we're able to surface that for the vast majority of those workers, they're struggling with cash flow. They have burdensome high-interest consumer debt. They have damaged credit. Uh, they're unable to think about long-run retirement until they can shore up in the short term. 
And that enables an employer to begin to think about what the types of tools they can offer and how that HR department can be most effective. HR departments love it. They're eager to be effective. They, sure. You know, they, they select benefits. They want those benefits to be used. So the first thing an employer can do is just to understand what the real financial profiles and needs of their workers are. Mm-hmm. And as a result of seeing that aggregated data, have you experienced employers suddenly having an aha moment and taking steps to do something about it? Always. You know, employers and HR departments are data-driven. They oftentimes don't have the data, but when they have data, they are eager to use it. And so when they see that most of their workers have debt in collections, uh, they bring into action and are eager to come up with tools that help them to mitigate that debt rather than trying to encourage them to enroll in a 401k immediately. The 401k is a very valuable piece of the benefits package, but they become eager to have a debt solution. I, I give you, I give you another example, Great. which is that if, if employers are also working hard. Uh, so that they can run a healthy business and make payroll and pay their workers. And when we're able to surface for an employer that approximately 10% of every worker's paycheck goes to covering expensive financial services related to these financial challenges, so the payday loans, the check passers, the mm-hmm. high-interest credit card debt, um, that's a business cost. So when an employer sees that sort of haircut on their own um, wages, they're eager to help that worker recoup that 10%. All right. Neighborhood Trust Financial Partners is a nonprofit that's worked on this issue for over two decades. Uh, Could you share a case study with us on how an employer effectively helped boost the financial well-being of its workforce in in the financial area? In the Bronx here in New York, there is a, uh, a large home health aid agency called Cooperative Home Care Associates. Mm-hmm. They have a, over 2,000 home health aides who make on average about $10 an hour. Uh, they hired us about five years ago. We served over 1,000 of their employees, mm-hmm. and they've been able to demonstrate that their employees uh, have reduced their reliance on debt by about 50%, so about half of their workers have reduced their consumer debt by over $1,500 per person. About half of the workers we served have improved their credit scores. And in particular value to their own HR department, uh, we've helped them drive up the direct deposit enrollment by 14%. And we've helped them shift away from their own uh, need to lend their employees money in in a sort of informal uh, lending program. We've almost cut in half the number of company-issued personal loans over these five years. And I would imagine that the employees appreciate this and the turnover probably has been reduced as a result of this as well. Yes, and what I would add is the work continues. We at Neighbor Trust are really committed to not only serving more employees via more customers, but also continuing to gather the data to make the case on this return on investment. So the, the work ahead is to build that data set and demonstrate that both productivity and retention are improved. Uh, today we have really exciting qualitative data that shows that employer, employees 
uh, feel better about their jobs and, and their employers as a result of our service. Uh, and we believe that translates into better retention, retention and productivity. Um, and we look to uh, continue to prove out that, that uh, ROI. Very good. All right, uh, Justine, thank you very much. That concludes our podcast uh, with Justine Zinkin, the CEO of Neighborhood Trust Financial Partners. Uh, that was terrific. You're doing great work. Thank you very much, Justine. You've been listening to Returns on Wellbeing. To subscribe to this podcast series, visit www.returnsonwellbeing.com, where you'll find resources to help organizational leaders achieve tangible returns on well-being.